0: Welcome to today's Two Saints show with myself Mark C and my co-host Mark H. Hi Mark, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm you doing well. Um, can't really say that the football's going that well at the moment. Uh, you know, well, we're not we losing. Seem have, we seem to have slightly lost our way um, yep. over the Christmas, New Year period, but hope springs eternal for Liverpool next Monday night. Yeah, smash
0: them. <laughs> we've got a day off as well so they might make better best of that hopefully yeah I think um, it's fair to say the players have definitely had their Christmas haven't they so you lot yeah. sort yourselves out now you've had your Christmas time to crack on and get some get some points on the board
1: I just want to say to the listeners that um, you know I hope they're looking after each other and um, hopefully what we're going to serve up today you know will uh, improve their mood absolutely right absolutely right and just remind Somebody everyone you can drink. so though <laughs>
0: So, just to remind you all, you can catch the Two Saints show every single week on Fiesta 95 FM, 1 to 3 p.m. with myself, Mark C., and my co host, Mark H. And you can also access, um, contact us on our email address for that, which is the Two Saints podcast show at outlook.com, which you can access the podcast and the, um, the radio show by contacting us through that. Obviously, the podcast is available on Facebook and also YouTube at the moment. There are other platforms available in the near future, which at the moment we've taken a temporary break from those, but they will be back on very soon so there we go coming up for you in the first half of today's show we have the two saints review of fulham nil saints nil and saints nil west ham Neil. so a few little words and we'll be straight back with you right after that it's the two marks cnh on the two Saints show fiesta 95 fm welcome back everybody two saints review of saints nil fulham nil ralph hassan who always pleased with a clean sheet Car Walker Peter's highlighted defensive capabilities within the team. Ralph was happy with summer signing Diallo's first Premier League start. He was also happy to use Long's experience as he did a good job at Fulham. And he believes that Saints should have had a penalty against Fulham. And I tend to agree with him, Mark. I thought it was quite a clear case for a penalty, to be fair. Right. But um, what was your take on that? I thought it was it was an alright performance, but not amazing, was it?
1: Well, uh, I I would say for a nil nil, there was enough incidents going on. sadly, you know, we won't be saying that about the West Ham game. But but (laughs) suffice to say, suffice to say that early doors, Fulham had an opportunity. Header went over the top of the bar. um, That they also had a chance with Mitrovic, uh, five minutes on the pitch. Thankfully, it came to him while he was still cold. Uh, shot went wide. Um, yeah. And then you come to us, uh, and and I would have said, uh, JWP hits the bar, oh. or the extension, whatever you want to call it, comes yep. back off the stension not sure what Shay Adams was doing. Um, he looked a bit like Bambi on ice, trying to see if he could control it to start off with. So I don't know. I, I mean, we'll let that one slide. Um, then we had I think was more,
0: get something on it to stick it away. It was all we needed to do, really.
1: Yeah. Then we had Shay offside for Deal Walcott's goal, um, and we also had. Shane Long offside for Shane Long's goal. Yeah. Um, and then we come to the contentious penalty because I thought, well, we'll leave this, we'll leave this the last. I, you know, the decisions for me up until that point were straight, fairly straightforward. Um, unfortunately, we had a second rate official in charge, uh, Mr. Yeah. Darren England, who uh, I'm. I'm not a big fan. Uh, he's been in the Premier League now for two seasons, and I mean, you know, he would struggle to control a game between you know uh, eleven co- well twenty two cardboard cutouts. Never mind twenty two grown men. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it was look the ball. the The thing is, is Mark though. And I've gotta I've gotta say this in on balance, okay? Yep. Fulham did have a shout for a penalty themselves off yep. of Bednarek, right? Now yep. we we've spoken about this off off base and we both felt that Bednarek's hands or arms or whatever were in a natural position, right? Yep. Yep. Whereas clearly when the ball comes into the box the Fulham defender, forgive yeah. me, I can't remember his name, but the I mean, Fulham defender ha- clearly has his right hand, you know, or his right arm away from his body. Yeah. Okay. Clearly has it away from his body. And uh, under under certain circumstances, you would have said surely... That goes to a VAR review. Um, but but then apparently, John Moss was in charge of the VAR. It did go to VAR and it wasn't given. Now, yep. uh, you know, all this is a very grey area, especially this season. Um, yep. Because there's no fans in the stadium and, and you wonder, if, you know, would these things happen if? if supporters were, you know, home supporters were putting pressure on the ref, you know, all this kind of thing. Um, And and I I sort of look at it and I think to myself, well, okay, fair enough, he didn't give it, But I've seen decisions like that going, you know, going for teams. Um, So maybe it was just our turn to be unlucky with VAR because to be fair, we've had, a few decisions go our way, so maybe it was just our turn. Yeah, I mean, our luck finally ran out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, the thing—the thing the is—is thing is it was it was an interesting encounter without being spectacular. Yeah, agree. Um, I always felt going into the game that it was going to be difficult. You know, they're on a yeah. run of form where they're not losing games. I think they've lost one in five or something like that. Um You know, and and it was always, you know, you're always sort of on a hide the nothing. I suppose you could yeah. turn around and say, you know, the the plus side was it was a point away from home. You know, yeah, no, um, um, actually. yeah you know, I mean, it was. I mean, Raph actually alluded to that as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the other thing before I, you know, give over to the rest of what you're going to say, I mean. The other thing to remember is two seasons ago, although they got relegated, you know, yeah. they beat us at Craven Cottage. Um, exactly. uh, and I know that's, that's two seasons ago, and people's expectations have been raised. But yeah. it, it's, you know, I suppose you, on a, on a positive note, you would say it's a point away from home. I'll take the point. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, and Ralph
0: actually said, I think it was okay. I think we had bigger chances than the opponent and scored two goals. The second one was fantastic play, a little bit unlucky. We had a big chance in the first half after the free kick when Shay had a chance to score. I saw one handball in the box that I think can be a penalty, but in the end, to take point is not so bad. It's tough, the pitch is tight, they put a lot of pressure on. If you concede, you have a very rare chances to come back, so the clean sheet was most important today. I'm happy for the point for the guys after the loss against Man City. It was important we take the next point without losing again. I'd certainly agree with that. It was important not to lose if we couldn't win. Um The only concern for me, Mark, is the lack of chances we're creating at the moment. And that, for me, is a major concern. Because, obviously, we've got people capable of putting the ball away, but we're not providing them any chances to do
1: that, are we, really? No, I mean, I think the thing, the one thing you would say, though, Mark, is like, and you know... A lot was made of the fact. Obviously, the talisman was missing, Danny Ings, right? And yeah. and I don't care what's going on. You know that doesn't that does have an effect. You know, if you're missing your star players and our star, you know, I, I've no problem in saying it. You know, our star players are JWP and Danny Ings, and if they're not at it, we're a void of any ideas. Oh, yeah. We're really we're really a void of any ideas. You know, we've got a workman-like team that give a hundred percent, and I can't fault them for it. You know, hundred percent effort. Well, they did up until the Fulham game, but we'll we'll leave that till we get the West Ham. Right, yeah. but you know, all, all I would say is is you know, the thing with Ralph is he has turned ordinary players into decent, decent. Decent footballers. Absolutely right. That, that's all I'm prepared to say about it. I'm not <laughs> going to turn around and say to you, Guard's turned into a world beater because he hasn't. You know, it, it's that, it's yeah, that
0: absolutely. simple. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Carl will said, We're all really happy with the clean sheet. We're really happy with how solid we work. We always say, Defend first. And we'll always get chances. If you don't concede, you have more chance of winning. Fulham have some good attacking players, a tough side, so we had to be resilient to stop and creating any real clear cut chances. I'd agree with that. And the thing is, I think the defence is looking quite solid at the moment. They've only conceded one in like three games, and that was to Man City, to be fair. So defensively, we're looking quite solid. So you've got a foundation to build on now. And I think Ralph's actually now identified where the issues are, and he's looking to work on that now. So I think if he builds on that solid foundation of defending that we've got quite good at recently, then we've definitely got something to build on there. And the rest of the season looks quite promising. But they have got to build on it, haven't they?
1: I mean, it, it comes back in twofold. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll say this as part of this review. I mean, the the last few games, I think the last three three four games for me, you know, Carl Walker-Peters has been our best player. You know, that that doesn't necessarily say a lot about going forward. When, you know, he, he gets forward when he can, he's a support fullback, but more yeah. defensively, you know, when I look at what he was doing against Fulham, particularly, and and uh, West Ham the other night, um, you know, he's getting his tackles in, getting blocks in, and and it's surprising because you sort of look at him, you know, he's he's quite small, but he's doing his job, and and you know, he's getting forward as well, which you know, it tend it tends to catch the eye on the occasions when we are we have got a bit of forward momentum but <laughs> as i say you know it, it's it's difficult at the minute I, I just don't think for me at the moment there's enough going forward and and, and it's not it's not just that mark um, you know you it, it's it's a void of quality you know, that, like, like I said, Danny Ings didn't play and that made a massive difference for us because he is the talisman. You know, James Ward-Prowse tried to make things happen, but it, it's it's very difficult when you're a void of absolute quality and, and, and you know, and it shows.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And I agree with that. And talking of players coming in and players of quality and players doing this, and players doing that. Um, obviously Raph said he was quite pleased with the way Ibrahima Diallo played. Um, didn't necessarily make a great start, but about a half hour in, Mark, he started to sort of find a bit of rhythm in the game, didn't he? And uh, he put in a pretty solid performance in, Ramea yeah. in his absence. It no, wasn't a bad it,
1: start. I mean, this debut, pretty good start for him, to be fair. No, he didn't. He didn't let anybody down, mate. I mean, I, I you know, the thing is, is you're coming into a game you know, cold cold as it were. I know he's had minutes under his belt, but first start pretty much knows he's going to be playing most of the full 90 at least. Um, you know, and, and I thought he equipped himself well, um, you know, because we all know that it takes a certain amount of adjusting in the Premier League, you know, hence we're not seeing Salazar at the minute. I mean... yeah. You know, it's obviously a bigger issue for some of the Saints fans out there than it is for myself, you know? I haven't haven't got, no, but I haven't got an issue with it. I just think you need, you know, everybody needs time to adjust and settle and things like that. I mean, you. Yeah, in in fairness,
0: Ralph's actually said he's for the future. So nobody can argue with that. You know, you've got to have faith in the manager. He's brought him in with a nice future. He says he's the future of the club. So, you know, if he's the future of the club, I don't have an issue with that. We've got to look to the future because at some point, some of the more experienced players in the squad won't be there. The likes of Ryan Bertrand, Danny Ings, Romeo, these players won't be there forever. So you have got to look to the future as well. I don't have an issue with that. I, I, the, some fans
1: are just losing their, the losing their head. That, it, which is that, fair that's fine. That's fine. That that's not a that's not a problem for me. But the the only thing I would say, Mark, is that some of the time when we do these signings. Right? You know, you've got you've got to have players also coming in that can hit the ground running for you. I mean, Actually, the right. thing is, is like last last year, for example, okay, we bought we bought Shea Adams. Right? Now, I said to you, give him a season because he's gotta adjust, he's coming up from the championship. But yep. in all honesty, Saints would have preferred for him to hit the ground running because that affected our season. And then when he found his mojo at the the restart, you know, um, you know, Saints were a different proposition. Yep. You
0: know? absolutely agree with that. 100%. 100%. Yeah, and question, obviously, why um, Shane Long is given an extension to his contract, why he gets played ahead of other players. Well, it's what he does in training everyone, and it's the effort he puts in when he plays. He doesn't score a lot of goals, but it's the effort he puts in when he plays, and he does cause issues for teams when he comes on. Because of the runs he makes, because of the the leap he's got on him in the air, he's capable of winning long balls and stuff like that, and he does cause issues for teams when he comes on. So, for me, it's not a case of Shane Long coming in with a view to to, to winning the game or changing the game. That's not why he's being brought on. He gets brought on to shore things up up front. Because he gives us an out. Um, we haven't got a lot of players in the team, unfortunately, without Danny Innes. We don't have a lot of players in the team that give us an out on the counter-attack or when we're under pressure towards the end of a game. So for me, I get why Shane Long gets brought on. Um, other people are expecting him to go out there and score goals and win games. That's not why Shane Long's being played. That's not his role anymore. No, it's an uh, and his, his goal-scoring record dictates that as well, to be fair. No yeah. offence to Shane.
1: You know? uh, I well, mean, I saying, you know, I get, get what I get what Hassan was saying there, but um, but on the flip side of that, Mark, right? And th- this this is the thing. I mean, he's saying he said, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm happy to use Shane Long's experience. You know, he's an international. He can trot all those things out, right? But the bottom line is the bottom line is he has no other choice." He doesn't have any other choice. And this yeah, exactly. is what I come back to. Quality and depth of squad are the two major issues that we have. I mean, Actually, wrong. I know that there isn't going to be a magic wand and we just have to put up with what we've got at the moment. And it, it is what it is. And that situation probably won't change for the next 18 months. So Ralph's doing a tremendous job. But, you know, you can't really turn around and say, oh, no, I'm happy to play this player when, you know, there's no real other alternatives, you know? I mean, because Femi's not giving him that alternative at the minute, and the only other alternative is, is Dan Lulu and obviously he kind of feels he wants to ease Dan into the situation rather than, you know, going through pelt with him, you know? But, I mean, I get it with Nundalu, but what I would also
0: say about Dan Nundalu is, the guy is a beast. Put him up front, because he is going to cause issues for teams. He's big and he's strong and he's powerful, and he is going to cause issues. He might not set the game alight, he might not change the game, but he will give you a different option up front, and he will cause teams problems because of how big he is. He's a unit. And for me, I think he's not making the best of Dan Nundalu at the moment. I get he doesn't want to drop him in at the deep end, he doesn't want to put pressure on him, I get that, but he's not going to benefit from just sitting on the bench game after game. He does need minutes and no offense to Ralph, the odd minute here and there is not going to do Dan and Lindeloo any good. You know, he right. needs a little just, bit longer than
1: that. Give him 10 f- minutes at the end of a game and just see what he can do. Quick comeback, you know? quick comeback come on that mark and then I'll, we'll move on. Okay. But basically all I was going to say in relation to that was, I kind of get what you're saying about Dan Lindeloo. He's a powerful striker. Uh, and he can do things on the burst that can be quite devastating, but on but on the flip yeah. on the flip side of that, for large periods in games, he can go missing, and that that's an issue. You know, for large periods in games, he can go missing. But then the other I'm thing would, the other thing that I would say as well is that in regards to the substitutions of Fulham I didn't understand what the point was of bringing Dan Lindeloo and Gineppa on for such a short period of time. I mean, one of them came on for about three minutes and the other one came on for about a minute, you know. I'm sat there going, it's pointless. It's pointless. You know, Ralph needs to get to the concept of substitutes are on the bench, they affect outcomes of games. Unless you're prepared to give them a certain period of time, they're not going to be able to deliver for you. Yeah, I actually agree with that. And that brings us really nicely to the end of that review of
0: the Saints versus Fulham game. Fiesta 95 FM, The Two Saints Show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, the Two Saints review of Saints 0, West Ham 0, Saints held by the Hammers, obviously. Hatton who all praises Saints stability... Stevens dissects frustrating draw. Yeah, um, Jack Stevens came out after the game and said, um, "We're we're happy with the point. We move on." Which I'm getting a bit sick of hearing from all of them. To be fair, it's getting as, as repetitive as we march on and the famous words that you, see, you trotted out from Hoybeer every single week. Oh, we need what we know. What we do is not good enough. We need to improve. It's getting a bit repetitive, lads. We get it. You're happy with the point. Move on. That's great. Now build on it. Stop saying we're going to move on. Move on now. Okay, you keep getting draws, which is great. You're not losing. Fantastic. We had a great start to the season, not knocking the team for the efforts. They do look tired at the moment, to be fair. And I'm not using that as an excuse because it, it isn't one. But we have got a limited squad and we are making the best of it at the moment.
1: Right,
0: Leicester. Um, I think, fairness, Mark, hang on, let me finish. In fairness, I think we've all got a little bit greedy with our Well Saints place, and we're now disappointed that we're not getting three points when we're drawing. Oh, so, behave. they you
1: know, Please, mate, behave. We're, we're all, anyway. don't, forget, don't forget, I know we're recording this, but we're still on air. Behave. <laughs> um, what, I, what I was going to say was, I mean, this, this nonsense of they all look tired, they all look jaded, yep. it's the same for every team. Oh, I'm not debating that right. for a moment. There's yep. no, there's no, there's no difference, you know. And the and the thing is, is why why do people? Look, oh, all right, let's put it another way. Why do people look tired? Why do they look jaded? Right? Because there is isn't, <laughs> really isn't the depth of squad. Yeah, I agree. The depth of squad. No, I agree. I agree. Right? I think. No, I think we're making the best just, of what we've got I just want to move the conversation on because. For once, I'm not going to say anything about the West Ham performance. Suffice to say, we weren't moving the ball quickly yep. enough. That's yep. nothing to do with being jaded g- because you you no. should be able to get energy oh from your performances that you're making. But yep. the the one the one thing that I would the one thing that I would say was, you know, not moving the ball quickly enough doesn't create openings for yourself. Now. West Ham came and did a job on us because they came to get a result. Now, whether that was going to be a draw or nick it, yep. you know, they probably were looking to nick it, but, you know, they did, a, they did a job on us. We have we have secured one point in seven games against them. Yep. The yep. last seven games that we have played against West Ham, we've got one point. Yep, cool. Right? Very cool. And, 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 yep. and therein lies a history, you know, you you could draw a line between Saints results going into this fixture and West Ham's results going into this fixture, and I would have told yep. you that a draw was on the cards. Yep. I think I think in the previous show I actually said that the game would finish a draw. You know, yep. I said two two, but I didn't say draw, you know.
0: In fairness, going um, I going into the game, I would have been happy to take a point because they are a bogey team. We don't often beat them. I would have taken a point going into the game, but I must admit, I am disappointed we only got a point from the game because I felt we could have taken three. But for me, not just that game, the Fulham game as well, the biggest issue for me is we can't make decisions in the final third at the moment. We're great defensively. The resolve at the back's fantastic. We're doing well with that. And in the midfield, not too bad. We give the ball away a little bit too often, but you can combat that. You can get around that. But the problem for me is the final third, when we get 18, 25 yards from goal, we seem reluctant to put the ball in early or or, or at all, really. We don't cross it very often. Um, and we don't create a lot of chances in the final third for whatever reason. Sometimes it's like the players are too scared to put the ball in or they're too scared to give away possession. And the problem is we end up actually giving up possession because we keep the ball for too long and we don't move it quickly enough. Um, and for me, I get why we play sideways and backwards at times it's to change the angle of attack which is great provided there's an end product to that the problem for me at the moment is we change the angle of attack quite often but we don't actually then do anything with it so it's great if you can change the angle of attack and do it quickly and get the ball in early but we seem reluctant to do that so for me that's part of the issue at the moment we're not creating enough chances but that's something they can work on I'm,
1: I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad you covered that because that wasn't what I was going to pick up <laughs> on. But I'm glad, I'm glad, no, no, generally I'm glad you covered that because it's a fair point. But the thing, the thing that I was going to say, Mark, was that for me, uh, you know, I, I said I was going to say very little, but I will, but I will say this. Right, and it isn't going to sit well with we a lot of Saints fans. So who cares? But we're I'm not here to please everyone, Mark. One. We're here to them. What's new? What's new? I'm enemy number one. But Ralph Ralph decided that he was going to try a bit of wing play. Right, he was looking for a bit of web. So, sure, Armstrong gets sacrificed. Haven't got a problem with that. I feel that. Stuart's very good at, at running between, you know, going into that space between the lines and causing difficulty for defenders in, in those type of areas on yep. the pitch. And and maybe, you know, the last few games, it hasn't really came off for him as much as, you know, we would have, we would have liked. Yeah. So... Ralph decided. I'm going to change it slightly. We're going to go away a bit more web. We're going to bring in Gineppo and we're obviously, you know, we've got Dean Walcott down the yeah. other side. Now, I don't know for you, but neither of them caught the mustard last night. Um well, I know you think I'm harsh, right? I'm but but I'm I'm going to say something that that's probably going to upset a lot of Saints fans, right? Theo Walcott needs to stop diving, right? Yeah, he's, he's going to the um, ground in the penalty box when he clearly hasn't been touched, yeah. and I don't like seeing it, right? And the thing is is while he made an instant impact I don't deny it, whenever he first came here, yeah. you know I've, I've got to say in the way that he's being, whether it's in the way he's being deployed I don't know, yeah. but are we getting the maximum out of him? Or or is this something that he's picked up over his career? Because I keep saying it, Mark. To me, as a player, he's been an enigma. His career, it's, he's been an enigma. It's an, an unfulfilled It's an he, unfulfilled he, has not, he has not fulfilled that potential that was there. I, mean, Mark, to I me, I wanted to see him do it. What I'm going
0: to say now is going to upset a lot of people, but this is just, true. This is my point of view on it, but this is what I feel is, is the case. You look back to Theo when he first broke through at Saints, okay, and you look at Theo now, and for me, there's very little difference between Theo at 16 and Theo now. I don't think he's actually learned an awful lot throughout his career, and it is an unfulfilled career for me. He hasn't hit the heights that he could have done. He hasn't fulfilled the potential. He clearly has. And for me, when you look at Theo now, he does the sort of runs he did when he was a lot younger. And to be fair, at the time when he broke into the Saints team, we were playing at a much lower level, so he made a huge impact to be fair even at 16 17 which led to him going to the world cup when he was probably too young led to his move to wherever maybe that was too early in his career whatever but the bottom line is i don't see much difference between theo now as a man and theo when he was a boy he says he feels a bit more like he used to as a teenager and he probably doesn't to be fair to him he looks like he's playing more like that but there isn't enough end product at the moment coming from theo you know, I understand what had got him in on loan. Good move. Made an immediate impact. But for me, him and Gineppo, they both go down too easily and give up possession too easily at the moment. And I know Saints fans aren't going to like that, but that's just how I see it. And that's just a fact. They do go down too easy, both of them. And there's no point playing as a winger if you're not going to be a winger. And for me, if you're a winger at the moment in the Premier League, you have to be direct. And for me, the strength of Gineppo and the strength of Walcott is being direct. And for whatever reason, they didn't do it last night and they haven't done it the last few weeks they've played. And I I don't understand that. Maybe it's, as you say, not being deployed correctly, but surely the instruction would be get the ball out to these guys, get some width in the game, get the ball out to these guys and tell them to attack people. Why they yeah. seem reluctant to do that, I don't know. But to me, they seem to keep the ball for too long, go down too easily, hand over possession to the opposition and we're immediately under pressure. And it no, was the I'm same a, last night I'm with a, West Ham.
1: I'm on the direct thing because when they're... And, and this applies to both. More, yeah, absolutely. When, when they're both direct, that's when they're at their best. Yeah. And they're a
0: threat. And I they don't are
1: necessarily a think Theo though, is an out and winger. No. And I, you know, I, I again he's sort of one of those players, a bit like Stuart Armstrong. He he can play in between the line. La- you know, that's that's how I would see him. Yeah, you know, for I, me I don't look at him as an outnight striker neither.
0: For me, Theo's always been for me, Theo's always been the sort of player that should sit in that buffau role, in behind the front two. Get balls fed into him so he can attack teams, so he can create chances for other people. For me, I've always seen Theo as a creator that can play in that number 10 role, sort of just behind the front two, feed balls into him, and he can cause damage to people because he can. With his pace and his vision, his passing ability, which he has got when he uses it, You know, he's quite capable of providing really good assists. And if if you look back through his career, he's probably been more successful with assists than goals, to be fair. Um, But it's when he played in that number 10 role, he seems to have been at his best.
1: Yeah, I mean, all, all, I'm, all I'm going to say is both of them weren't involved enough for me. You know, Jeanette Mo gets a recall basically because, you know, Ralph wants to play with a bit of width, right? And both of them, for me, didn't get involved in the game anywhere. I mean, they might as well have been passengers on a sea ferry. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. if you're going to play with width, your wide men
0: have to stay wide, and they don't. They come in. Yeah,
1: no, no. But... but so, the only, the only other thing I want to say about the game, Mark, and it's important to raise this, because yeah. to me, right, there has to be an introspective where people look at things that have gone on in the game, even if they're not highlighted during the game, right? Because Craig Dawson, who got man of the match, oh, it's unbelievable. Right? he he should be on a suspension, mate, for oh, what he did. He, he, he blatantly, because the ball had gone, the ball had gone, the ball wasn't even in shot, right? Yep. And then he he, he he deliberately tries to kick the head clean off of Shea Adams. Yeah, and he can't he even defend it. I've
0: watched the replay back. I've watched the replay back and he's not even looking at the ball. Yeah, he's looking down
1: at Shay Adams when he swung his foot at him. You so know for me, I mean, it's blatant. And and again, surely there has to be some introspective in relation to some sort of bad or some sort of misdemeanor. Yep. Something, but I, I. The thing is, is as well when they announced the man of the match, right? I mean, oh. I don't know what game they were watching as well, but yeah. but the thing is, is it summed up the the game for me. The yep. Craig Dawson, who's you know well, and he's what thirty three. Yep, and, he, and he's winning man of the match. That tells you what a what a terrible game it was to watch. Yeah. I mean, 100%. you know, uh, people turn. You know, we, as Saints fans, we when we're last on match of the day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, no, last, night, even last worry, night's <laughs> match, last night's match wouldn't have even made the, the match of the day, it. Yeah. I've got to be honest
0: it all would have been on the cutting room floor for me we weren't even wherever you've been on match of the day exactly it was (laughs)
1: was that I mean don't get me wrong it's a point whatever but the thing is is the game was the game was poor you can't we we can't... we have a right to be disappointed as
0: fans because we've seen what the team are capable of you know, and that's why we're disappointed. You know, it's not that we're trying to batter them. We're not. They've had a fantastic start to the season. 2020 has been a fantastic year for Saints. If you look at the actual table for the whole of it, fantastic. The last 23, 24 games, they've been brilliant. You know, they've only lost about three games out of 23 or 24. Fantastic. But we have a right to be disappointed that they didn't get three points because they were capable of doing it.
1: Yeah, and the and thing, the thing is, is again, it would have been a benchmark. You know, yeah. again, a sent you off sort of the record that... Yeah. You know, Hasselhoodl has won away at Burnley this year. Yeah, okay. So, to me, that would have been another bench more another box tick if we had have gone and got the free play. Po- I, I don't, you know, fair enough if they do it in the away fixture, right? Yeah. I'll be over the moon if they do it in the away fixture against West Ham, but it, yeah. it's, it's a bogey thing that we've got to lay to rest at the minute for me with West Ham, you know? We're, because the thing is, is like, The other thing that I couldn't understand was we had wide players on the pitch, right? Danny Ings was back, James Ward-Price was back. It didn't make any difference, right? West Ham had Yamalenko on the pitch, they had Lanzini on the pitch, they had you know, they had uh, Fornells on the pitch, they had loads of these creative players that didn't play against Brighton And, and Moyes got hammered for it, and he played them on Tuesday Tuesday night last night and the thing is is when, when you sit there and you think you've got all those creative players on the pitch and yet the game was a void of any real opportunity Unbelievable
0: Unbelievable oh, I mean I was just and the thing is as well I mean West Ham as well they had a player that had been banned in the previous game the overturned decision he plays anyway I'm just like that's an absolute farce the guy got basically suspension shouldn't have played kind of thing but for me, like you say, completely devoid of any sort of quality of any kind from either side. And with that amount of attacking players on the pitch of West Ham, is even more staggering, to be
1: fair. It is, um, man. Yeah. It is. You know, I think, just something that sprung to mind. I mean, I thought yeah. to myself, when you think of the personnel that was on that pitch, yeah. you know, from a creative point of view, and yet there wasn't anything of significant note that I could lay my hand on. OK, Danny Ings scored, but the goal was clearly offside. Yeah. You know, right. but but the game was a void of any real quality. Absolutely right. But let's hope we learn from it. And um, we've got a day off,
0: obviously, um, today or tomorrow, I believe. So they've got one day off for players. So a little bit of a chance for a bit of a recovery and a bit of a rest. I think they should only have the one day off because they need to be back as soon as possible. So they've got plenty of time to learn ahead of the Liverpool game when we absolutely smash them on Monday. So anyway, <laughs> that brings us to the end of the uh, two-section review of Saints Neil west Ham Nil. And um, we're just going to go for a very short break. And when we come back, we'll be giving you the second half of the show today. And coming up in the second half, we have Saints Club news, other football news and the Two Saints preview of Saints versus Liverpool. So we'll be back very shortly. Stay tuned. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word. They're here with everything in the Two Saints show. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So Saints Club news. Ralph Hasenhuttle outlines the January transfer plan. As the January transfer window approaches, Ralph was outlined his approach to potential new signings. He said, if you want to do something, then we do something for the future, like we did in the last window in January with Kyle Walker-Peters. Maybe a player brought in on loan, then give him half a year's chance to show if he's good enough for us. Then we decide in the summer if we want to buy him. I think this is the best way to handle it, and everything else doesn't make sense. The squad's okay. In every position, we have double players there, and it's okay. In the moment, we're more focusing on extending contracts and bring players in, because we've done in the summer three signings. I think this must be enough for this season. Hmm. Not sure I agree on that 100%, Mark, but bringing players in on loan and seeing if they're good enough certainly makes sense, rather than making a huge signing that costs us a load of money that ends up not playing, like we did with Guido Carrillo, which was a massive error, wasn't it? So uh, If it stops us making errors in the market, it's probably a good idea, I think.
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, we've spoken about this many times, but, but my belief is the main target is bring him in a left-back. Um, and and I think I think Brandon Williams is the candidate, whether we get him or not. But apart from that, I don't see anything else happening. And he'll he come in on loan to get relative game time because he's not getting at Man United. And we won't be sending him in the summer so Ralph to suggest that, it's nonsense, you know yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's a bit of a nonsense conversation um, So, yeah, well, let's see what happens Maybe I might be surprised, but that that's what I see as the head of our business in the genre Yeah, I think you're probably right Yeah, it doesn't look like going to be a lot
0: else happening But we certainly need to love left back, don't we? Because uh, obviously Ryan Batran's doing as well as he can at the moment But he certainly could do with a bit of cover, couldn't we? Uh, it makes it makes let Matt, and Matt Target go look even more of a poor decision, doesn't it? But um, anyway, we'll see how they get on, Mark, as you say. Right. Moving on from there. So Southampton Football Club has taken the decision to close the St. Store at West Quay from the 31st of January as part of the ongoing improvements to its retail offering. The news follows on from the complete overhaul of the club's online retail store at the start of 2020. Obviously, online sales have increased. Not good news for those fans who use the West Key store. And I know you yourself have used it as one of your friends has as well, Mark. It's disappointing. But um, at least you'll be able to get more stuff on your uh, match days when you're at St Mary's in the future.
1: <laughs> all, all, all I'll say, Mark, is I'm, with, I'm actually with the club on this. I've got to be honest, yeah. and say that even though I do go in and use we the West Key shop yeah, quite a bit, too. and you've you have taken me there on the other occasion, yeah. I mean, I've gotta I've gotta say you're talking prime, you know, prime prime site in yeah. you know the the landmark sort of shopping centre in Southampton yeah. in the middle yeah. of the city. And and I would have thought that the rents are fairly high. Oh, it's extortionate. Okay. Extortionate, while while the store isn't being used, for example, at the moment, right? You know, saints aren't reaping any benefits from it. So and I've also got to say that even though you'd sit there and you think it's in the heart of the city, you know, people can go in there and do their scene shop while they're in town, right? I've got to tell you, man, I've been in there loads and loads and loads of times, and I've been the only person in the store. You yeah, know in
0: fairness, it? I don't actually believe it's in a prime location in Southampton. Um, it may be in West Quay, but I actually think if it was on the main part of West Key, if you come yeah. in from above bar be, apple, it would have made more sense map. and they would have had more people there yeah, but map. it's around the back end of it kind of the other side of it round by showcase cinema and for me it's not a prime location at all and i think that's probably part of the reason they struggled um it's not one of those areas at west key that's that busy normally funnily enough and you've as you said you've gone in there you've been the only person Even on days when it's been busy, it's never been passed. It's generally
1: not busy, and I don't understand. I don't, you know, it's generally not busy, and I don't understand these people who are online and they're having a meltdown about it because I sort of sit there and think, that's grand, you have a meltdown. Why didn't you use it when it was there for you to use?
0: You know? The thing is, um, you know, I'd understand it if there was no Saints store of any kind, but we've got a really good store at the stadium, to be fair. It's a fair yeah. size. They get a decent amount of stock in there. If if you really want your Saints memorabilia and Saints, Saints gear, why wouldn't you want to buy it from the stadium?
1: It makes it's sense. More, You're there on a match day anyway. Why wouldn't you? You know It's more retail there's more retail space there as well. Yeah. I mean, you you look at you look at the actual store that they had at West Key, there's not a lot of room. The thing is as well, Mark,
0: even on a match day, even on a match day when it's absolutely even at the stadium, you can still get in and out of the megastore at the stadium pretty quickly. You're not queuing for ages.
1: A hundred percent. But I also think, I mean, on the flip side, I'm sort of supportive of the club in the decision to sort of close it. Because it it must be a financial dream. Right. But yeah. And the thing is,
0: people are saying, oh, it's a diabolical decision, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's not. Nobody knows what sort of a loss they're taking on it. And to be fair, you've also got to remember we've got a club at the moment with an owner who's not prepared to make any investment. So, as an ongoing concern, it makes more sense to close it. Yeah. And as I say, we don't know the loss they're taking on it. If they're not trading, they're making a loss on it. And the rents in West
1: Key are extortionate, they're huge. Oh. On, on the flip side, right, they're saying that one of the reasons why they're shutting it is because they're getting more online orders. Yeah. Since I yep. still haven't received any of my goods from the uh, season ticket vouchers, any chance of getting it? I was be saying, before Christmas. Is there any chance of you sorting it out for me? We'll be, we'll be getting to an update on something in a minute, I Mark. Just, so. I just find it ironic when they're sat there going, oh, Oh, you yeah. know, online sales, that, that's where the future is. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't even get that sorted out.
0: Well, when I cover one of the articles that's upcoming at the moment regards to replica shirts, you'll understand um, what they've been saying. And hopefully a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for you, Martin. I'd certainly urge you get in touch with the club once I've, I've read this article. Anyway, moving on to the ticket office hours. So this is ticket office hours over New Year. Details of the latest, latest opening hours for Southampton's football club's ticket office are available. Um, bit strange that they're putting these out there because obviously um nobody's able to get any tickets to go anyway but anyway um so the office the hours are first day the 31st of january uh, 31st of september sorry closed friday 1st january closed second of january closed third of january closed fourth january closed fifth of, of january 10 till 4 p.m open and wednesday the 6th 10 till 4 p.m open um seems a bit strange considering nobody can go and watch any matches but
1: there you yeah. go i guess I mean, if you need the, to get your refund yeah, you, do you try and ring them you try and ring yeah. during those hours and oh. you've got no chance of getting them all the anybody but you
0: know yeah and unfortunately so, you won't be able to go to the uh west key store to actually talk to anybody about t- tickets
1: there because obviously it <laughs> won't be open <laughs> No, nah, i mean i mean to be fair at least at least you know I, I get that you know you can't they can't be doing a food operation in the current climate right. all the time. So you've got that option Tuesday and Wednesday. It, it looks like it hasn't sort of changed. Everybody's getting an extended break, which you know yep. I've got to I've got to say you know it, it's nice for people to be able to spend time with their families. But yep. but um, okay. you know having, having said that, you know it, it looks like we're back to Tuesday and Wednesday and. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, moving on. Following confirmation that Southampton will fall under Tier 4 of the government's local restrictions tier system, Saint stores at St Mary's and West Key will close till further notice. The club would like to reassure fans who are yet to claim their complimentary sportsbet.io shirt that they'll still be able to do so in store once government guidance allows them to, us to open St. Stores. Well, it won't be stores, it will be store, because obviously the West Key store is due to shut as of tomorrow, permanently. So... For this reason, updated replica shirts are currently unavailable online to ensure they can fulfill the complimentary shirts for all supporters who previously bought the 2020 21 Audi Sports shirt before the 1st of October. They'll provide fans with an update once the store is open, able to reopen again, and they apologise for any inconvenience caused. Supporters can still get merchandise at the online Saints store, including the 2020 21 Under Armour replica shirts featuring Audi Sports. Plus, you can get great savings in our winter sale for a limited time only. So there you have it
1: any any idea how long that limited time is mark no <laughs>
0: well i shouldn't imagine it'd be very long it'd be quite limited <laughs> if they're on about the end of january well that's not long at all is it really no you probably have a month if you're lucky but what i found quite ironic was the fact that they said if we're able to open the whiskey store before the end of when we said we're going to close it we will actually have a flash sale and it'll be everything's got to go and it, yeah,
1: it, is, it yeah. is it is the end of january by the yeah. way it closes yeah. not the uh, not tomorrow yeah, the end of january everyone sorry i do apologize wrong month right date wrong month <laughs> yeah right
0: right date yeah right date wrong month absolutely so yeah um but there is a winter sale on i believe the winter sale at the moment is about 70 percent off so if you want to bargain online i'd get on there now yeah Although I won't be buying the match, the match day shirt because the match day shirt they've got is absolutely horrific. Looks like it's something your dad would have cleaned the car with back in the 70s. <laughs> what are you cleaning the car with, Dad? Is that your underpants? <laughs> so, anyway, moving on from that horrific memory. <laughs> Right, Women's FA Cup's fixture postponed, which is disappointing. Southampton FC Women's Fixture are home to Plymouth Argyle in the Vitality Women's FA Cup, which was scheduled for Sunday, has been postponed. The decision was taken in line with the FA's latest guidance around non elite protocols issued following the latest tier restrictions. A new date for the fixture will be confirmed once known, while an update on Southampton FC Women's League fixtures will also follow in due course. So, a bit of disappointment, Mark, wouldn't it? Because
1: they've been riding high again. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that worries me is going forward, Mark, because obviously the girls were leading it, you know, as we all know, the girls were leading the league last season and, you know, it wasn't allowed to stand, so therefore they ended up in the same league. They've done the same, more or less the same this season. So all, all I really hope for the girls, women, sorry, you know, is that, you know they get to finish the season this time around even if it means having to go into the summer you know and there's cricket going on. I don't I don't care but I, I want to see the women's season finish this time around you know because yep. they deserve it you know they deserve to be allowed the, the opportunity to you know get promoted you know and lift the trophy if that's what's going to happen That. But you know, as I say, they seem to have left off where the where they were last season, you know, and, and I just hope they get that opportunity, man it, yeah, so, it would be so it would be so destroying if for a third yeah. time, you know, it was not avoid, void and you know, everything starts from scratch again, you know?
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that, definitely.
1: So yeah, well, that
0: brings us to the end of the Saints Club news. So let's hope pardon, that happens for the women. But yeah, that's the end of the Saints Club News for now. Fiesta ninety-five FM to Saint Joe. Welcome back, everybody. So, other football news. Dundee United announced the death of legendary manager Jim McLean, age 83. Jim McLean, the manager who led Dundee United to unprecedented success in the 1970s and 80s, has died at the age of 83 after a long battle with illness. He led United to the Scottish Premier Division title in 1982-83 after consecutive League Cup triumphs in 1979 and 1980. He also took the club to the European Cup semi-finals in 1983-84 and the UEFA Cup final three seasons later. The Scottish Premiership side confirmed the news on Saturday. So, very sad news, Mark. Um, you probably know an awful lot more about Jim clean than I do, to be fair. So, I'll hand over to your superior knowledge for the moment.
1: I tell you, mate. Um, basically, when I heard the news on Boxing Day, it was soul destroying for me Mark um, I've always took a keen interest in the Scottish football and basically the thing with Jim McLean was he managed to you know put Dundee United on the map at the same time as Aberdeen was emerging with Alex Ferguson and as I say they were known at the time as the new firm basically in reference to Rangers and Celtic, which was the old firm. Um, and and the thing is is it was refreshing to have both sides in Scottish football because it basically it basically meant that, you know, it, it was it was a a really significant time. I mean, Dundee United yeah. won the league. Aberdeen won the league. There was the rivalry even between (laughs) Jim McLean and Alex Ferguson. You know, uh, Aberdeen won the European Cup Winners' Cup against uh, Real Madrid and the beat Bayern Munich. You know, and and I've I've said this about Jim McLean. I mean, the thing is, is like, he he was a bit of a throwback. He, He was... He used to keep an eye on all the players in the same way Fergie did even when he came down to United. Um, there's actually a, there's I mean, actually a quote, Mark,
0: while you're on that, while you're saying about his impact and stuff, there's actually a quote, one line that stands out, which I think is brilliant, and it says, when he barked, you jumped. Yeah, and, and, that,
1: and I'll give you a prime example of that. There was a midfielder, right, that played for Dundee United at the time called Eamon Bannon, right? And Eamon Bannon used to get dogs abuse from, from Jim McLean, you know, yeah. in the fact that Jim McLean was obviously intimating that he was being lazy, worried yeah. he wasn't. You know, he was trying to get around the pitch. And, but but he always seemed to pick on, you know, that this yeah. one player, Eamon Bannon, and Eamon Bannon was a very, very gifted midfielder. Yep. Absolute quality midfielder. Um the, the the one thing that I would say, Mark, is and that this this is why I'm saying, you know, the they would go out of a of an eight set, you know, the players. But the thing is, is like uh Jim McLean would know about it because he'd have his spies out in Dundee, you know, and, and basically he could tell you where they'd been, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um and, and that kind of thing. But the one the one thing that I want to say, and this is the best tribute that I can play to him, right? You know, besides winning the Scottish, you know, the Scottish title, which was unheard of because it was always dominated by Celtic and Rangers. You yeah. know, um, the, the the one thing that I want to say is besides the European semi-finals twice and the EFA Cup final that he got to, they were beaten by FKA Gothenburg in the final, but the one thing I wanted to say about him was, there's a great story that's always told about him, and it it goes back to uh, Dundee United hold a a unique record, or a unique sort of setting in British football, because they're the only British team to have beaten Barcelona home and away in Champions League, or in uh, the old European you know European competition, right? Over two legs. The only side they have beaten them home and away over two legs. And that was during the time that Terry Venables was the manager with Gary Lineker, Mark Hughes, all those players. Steve Archibald I think was there at the time as well. Um, but the the one thing that I'll always remember was they were beaten Bar the the Barcelona Right. They beat Barcelona in the New Camp and the Saturday before they were playing Forfa Athletic in the Scottish Cup. Right? And the Drew won each with them. And this was the game before they played Barcelona in the New Camp. And as I say, they just beaten Barcelona and the chant went up from the Dundee United fans. Bring on the Forfa And and I'm sure the Barcelona fans are sat there thinking, what is going on here? You know, who's for that? But, but, you know, the thing is, it's like you can't underestimate what he did in terms of what he did for Scottish football, not only just for Scottish football, but for British football as well.
0: Yeah, the club actually issued a statement and they actually said, an integral part of our history and rise to the forefront of European football Jim was simply a titan of Dundee United folklore, cherished by the United family the whole world over. And his family, in a statement published by United, added, Jim was a much-loved husband, father, brother, uncle and father-in-law, and we will all sadly miss him. His remarkable six-decade career made him a true legend, not only at Dundee, but across the world of football. He managed United from 1971 to '93, and latterly was also the chairman of the Tanadice Club, before resigning in 2000 after assaulting a BBC reporter. Naughty boy. <laughs> his 31-year association with the club ended in 2002 when he sold his stake to Eddie Thompson. McLean, who led United in the 10 Cup Finals overall, was also assistant to Scotland boss Jock for four years, including in the 1982 World Cup Finals. So uh, we wish his family all the best and um, rest in peace to McLean. Yes. Absolutely legend at Dundee United and across the world of football. Yeah. And another legend we've lost, Mark. Sorry, sorry. He, he
1: had a he has a brother, Tommy McLean, who was also involved in football. He uh, as a manager, he won the cup, the Scottish Cup with Motherwell. So, yeah, I mean, condolences to the whole family. As, as I say, I was generally when when I heard the news on Boxing Day, made, I was generally upset. You know, because yeah, I've always taken a. You know, obviously, it's it's not as close to my heart as Saints, but I've always taken a keen interest in yeah, football. Know. Being an Ab- you know, yeah. uh, in Scottish football, being an Aberdeen fan as well. Like, yeah, in fairness, Mark, you're you're a football fan through and through, and you know it yeah.
0: doesn't matter if it's Saints or anything else. You know, you're a football fan. Saints is at your heart, but obviously, you're a football fan.
1: But uh, but a well a well a I well miss him. Well, <laughs> he was he was barking. You know, he was he was as smart The only re- reference I've got to him was. And Fergie's very similar to him, but the thing, the the one reference point that I've got to him is Brian Clough. I mean, he he was barking mad at times, yeah. Jim McLean. absolutely barking mad. Yeah, and the thing is, I look at things that stick out in football that that that,
0: that give you memories of people, and you say, you'll miss him because he's barking mad. Nobby Styles. We'll all remember that iconic picture of him, the video of him with the World Cup in one hand, false teeth in the other, doing a little jig at Wembley. Yeah, you know, yeah. things like that stick out in your mind and you, you don't forget them, do you?
1: You know? We've, lo- we've so, lost a lot of good football people. And, and you know,
0: Jack, Jack Charlton saying, don't confuse me and Bobby. I can stop people playing. Bobby's the one that can play, which I thought was yeah. a really good quote from <laughs> Jack Charlton, one of yeah. his best quotes, I thought. Um, surprisingly, they did get confused, the two of them, which is surprising. But there we go. Anyway, moving on. Obviously, we just mentioned Jack Charlton and Robbie Styles, and that brings us quite nicely on to the next article, which is Ryan Mason, who says that heading in football might not exist in ten to fifteen years. Heading might not exist in football in ten to fifteen years' time because of the risks involved. Former Tottenham and Hull midfielder Ryan Mason says. Mason, Cap once playing, and had to retire from football famously after fracturing his skull playing for Hull in two thousand and seventeen. And a recent study showed footballers are three and a half times more likely to suffer from dementia and he went on to say it wouldn't surprise me in 10 to 15 years if Heading wasn't involved in the game the research and momentum it's getting I think it's probably going to open up a lot more stuff that becomes quite shocking, I'm not sure footballers are fully aware of the potential damage this is where more research, more understanding more education current players get the better, absolutely 100% agree with him on this one. I don't think concussion substitutes can happen quick enough. Um, we had an incident the other day. Shea Adams gets kicked in the head. Nobody even bothered to look at him. I think that was a wrong decision. Um, things like that need to be looked at a lot more closely. It does happen. There is a link between heading and football and dementia. They can't say there isn't there anymore. Sort it out, people. Seriously. Well, 100%. 100%. Late, and I, I've,
1: got to be, I've got to be honest and I'm not trying to dig the person out because... You know, it, it's his own feelings that he feels. You know, he he would be able to make a decision whether he can carry on or not. But yep. uh, a couple of we a couple of weeks ago, when when they were talking about the concussion substitutes and all that, there um, yep. Troy Deeney came out and actually said, you know he felt that it was up to him to make the decision, not, you know, not a doctor. And I I thought that just showed really poor judgment and and not actually grasping, you know, the, the situation as it is.
0: Yeah, no, I disagree with him completely because there's a reason they have doctors in boxing. And it's for that exact reason. It's to prevent anything serious if there's a concussion involved or anything like that. You know, and boxing is so, one of those sports. Concussions involved nearly every week, so there's a even, reason they've boxing.
1: It's not in even degree, boxing you know? They've had boxing. Substit- you know, they've had yeah. concussion substitutes yeah. in rugby union now for a while. Right. You to know? be fair, Mark, I, I played hockey years ago, um, and
0: only um, obviously wasn't at professional level. Yeah. But at the level we played hockey at, if somebody had a concussion, they went off and a sub came on, and that wasn't even a that wasn't even a, something that was brought in. You know, we just did that ourselves. So you yeah. know, even at junior hockey level, it happened. So um, it needs to be looked at, and yeah, and you've got kids coming up through the ranks as well. How long is it going to be before a child suffers a serious injury in a match and fractures their skull? Yeah. Is that when people are going to sit
1: up and take notice? Because if that happens, you could have an absolute tragedy on your hands. You know. I uh, remember what what happened with Ram Mason because obviously he was playing for Hull at the time, yep. and he had a clash of heads with Gary Cahill. Correct, you know, and something as. Innocuous, mind you, it didn't look innocuous when you watched it no. back, but it looked innocuous in real time. Yeah, yeah. You know, Absolutely. at the end of the day, that ended his career.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Rao Jimenez recently, he's very lucky he's not actually had his career ended. Yeah. yeah so so that's
1: now, another player who got a severe concussion. 100%
0: with you on that. Anyway, we'll move on from that one because uh, it's quite depressing actually that so we don't want to be talking about stuff too depressing for too long unfortunately. Start of a new year, let's have a bit of positivity if we can. Um, Burnley takeover, over ALK Capital a conference of completing a deal this week. So that sounds a bit more promising for Burnley. The news obviously <laughs> last week was the fact it looks as though it's falling through <laughs> i it looks as though a deal's hard. going
1: through make I'm I'm right. <laughs> last, last week the deal wasn't, there wasn't a deal uh-huh. that happened. Right, now new, new <laughs> people have come in Right? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, here I am making all sorts of excuses for why science can't have Any new investment because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Nobody's banned football clubs. Burnley's had offers galore for their football club. We do something wrong. It's so our own. We're stuck with <laughs> But all, all I would say about it is, is I mean, let, let's say this time it's it's a different better right, it's not the same people right, and and I generally hope if it means that you know, the the supporters are given some sort of impetus and, and everything else because, let, let's be honest you know um, the manager Sean Dyche is doing the job with one, one arm tied behind his back basically, and it, and he it is you know, we, we sit and we talk, we, we talk about what Ralph does and, and rightfully so, but it, it works the same way from from where, you know, uh, Sean short is, you know, and he, and he is doing a fantastic job for a club of that size. Definitely, definitely. We'll move on to the next topic, which is coronavirus
0: in the Premier League. Testing has revealed 18 cases now. Um, I actually think we're heading towards another break mark at some point. I think they're going to put the brakes on and bring everything to a halt again. Um, Concern for me is... I'm concerned about the Saints camp actually and the fact they've been in close proximity to Fulham and other areas recently where um obviously cases are quite prevalent. So um for me, um bad news, there's obviously bound to be a lot of cases. There's a new variant and it's obviously a lot more virulent, we're let's believe. Um obviously Everton and Man City was postponed. I believe there's another match that's been postponed already. Um Rochdale have got um games postponed, so have Doncaster, Sheffield United have obviously had a record number of cases as well. Um I can see them shutting it down again.
1: Yeah, I mean the game, the game tonight as well was called off. But um, was was going to say was, I, I mean people want to see some sort of circuit breaker for two weeks, but yeah, I, I've got to be honest, Mark, I, I don't know, I I think if they can sort of play through it, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that this is what they should do, I'm, I'm but. you know, it's funny that Dave Merrington and Alan Blackmore were talking about it last night before the game, you know, Alan Blackmore was more of the opinion that you know, the the Premier League aren't going to suffer you know, financially like was said, you know and the thing is is, uh, you know, in relation to the player's welfare I mean, as they said you know, a player gets checked twice a week, I mean I don't know about you, but I don't even know where my test centre is. Do you know where your test centre is? It is actually, Mark, at the O2 Hall.
0: Well, that's is where that? it was last time I saw it. Yeah, I saw one there quite recently when I was there. All right, right, okay. I believe that's where the test is at the moment. Um, but, don't quote me on that, but I believe that's where it is or was.
1: But the thing is, is if the general population – my point is, here we've got elite sportsmen, they get tested – I mean, and I, I'm not taking a cynical approach because you got to be aware of people's welfare and everything like that there. But that, let's be honest, Mark. You, you know, the thing is, is they get tested twice a week, you know, and and they've got safeguards. You know, the general public don't have any of that, you know. I mean, you know, I could go bed, to bed tonight and I'm feeling well, May not. You know and I might wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I'm feeling terrible you know and yeah. I, I might sit there and think oh it's a heavy cold or something and it could be coronavirus you know I'm yeah. I'm, I'm just right. making the point but yeah. I mean they probably in hindsight there probably needs to be some sort of circuit breaker or something yeah. like that there but the yeah. other thing I want to say about it and this is why I included it right the the Premier League and this includes the clubs because it was all the decision was made between the clubs it wasn't just the administrators at the premier League making all the decisions right the the thing that I found out the other night is they don't have any provisions in place if league football was to stop tomorrow you know wow. and, you, and you would have thought that they would have had some sort of back backup plan yes 100 percent 100 percent
0: well, you'd expect no less, wouldn't you? Yeah. Anyway, moving on to uh, championship news. And obviously, we'll see how things plan out Obviously, over the next few weeks and next couple of months. Um, on to championship news. Tony Pulis, Sheffield Wednesday manager, uh, have sat their manager after 10 matches in charge. Uh, not very long at all. 10 matches didn't last long, did he? I guess they didn't like his brand of football. <laughs> and Jack Wilshire is training with Bournemouth,
1: Mark. I, uh, I mean, on, the, on both points, I, you know... Jack Jack Wiltshire to me is a bit of a Theo Walcott, <laughs> you know. Uh, co- comes to the party with a big reputation, but you know because of injuries in his case, probably because of injuries, it, it it's a it's a case of you know unfulfilled talent, you know, that that that's what you've got to say. It was unfulfilled talent because. Um, did we ever really see the best of him? Who knows. But you know, it's like it's a chance for him to get his career maybe back on on track with the cherries. I just hope that you know he's being sensible about what Bournemouth may be able to afford for him yeah. in terms of a contract. So it, it's a win-win. It's a win-win there, and the the other the other one for me. This baffled me, Mark. Somebody comes in, he's had, what, 10 is it ten days or 10 games. You know, Tony Pulis has got experience. And the thing is, is like, they're wanting to get themselves out of the position. I'm a bit cynical about it, if I'm honest, because you would have thought that they might have given, you know, the transfer window. They haven't even given that. And I'm hearing... Yes, Situation. I'm hearing that what they've decided to do, because obviously the they, you know they they haven't got rid of them. They've got a plan. You know, it wasn't like they thought, right? We're sacking them. Where do we go from here, right? Apparently, they're after the former Barnsley manager, who still has a home in Yorkshire. So apparently, they're after him. They, it wasn't it wasn't the guy that was with them. At the end of last season, it was the previous one before that. Um I think he's Spanish or something like that there. But they're they're uh, they're apparently being linked to him. Um but I, I you know I, I do feel for Tony Poulos, I may not be an advocate of his style of football, a bit like Bing Sam, but I do feel for him because he wasn't even given a proper opportunity. Ten games ten games is nothing. It's
0: not even, you know, it's not even a cricket season. Absolutely right. So we move on to an um, uh, an article relating to um, news coming out of um, League One. Kirill Louis-Dreyfus, or Cyril Louis-Dreyfus, which have way you pronounce it, I'm not sure, Frenchman to buy Stuart Donald's controlling interest. An agreement's been reached for Kirill Louis-Dreyfus to buy Stuart Donald's controlling interest in Sunderland, paving the way for a takeover. The Frenchman will, will become chairman in the new year, subject to approval by the English Football League. Donald, who stepped down as chairman in July, holds a 74% stake in the club. It's been no, no secret I've been looking for some time to find the right person to take Sunderland forward, Donald told the club website. So there we go, Mark. Interesting. Well,
1: as you know, Stuart Donald used to be the chairman of Eastleigh. Okay. Yep. Um, but, but this one didn't surprise me. He's been trying to sell for... The last season or so, um, and basically, now that a deal's been done, it would look that obviously Donald, hopefully, has you know, Stuart Donald's put it in safe hands because you know, he's he, there were a few bids actually on the table. He's gone for this bloke because obviously, you know, he, he's come, he's seen the area. You know he he's gonna go and live in the area. One you know once the takeover takes place and stuff like that there, and you know he wants to be very involved with the community from the noises that I'm hearing. So so you know hopefully it's a win win. And obviously there's gonna be investment, which obviously is key for Sunderland at the minute. I mean the recently lost. Um, Phil Parker. They got rid of Phil Parkinson as the manager, and they appointed Lee Johnson, Gary Johnson's son, who was the Bristol City manager previously. Um, So, you know, we just have to wait and see if it's a marriage made in heaven or hell. But I I would imagine, hopefully, it's it with the takeover taking place. You know, the new owner is going to move the club forward.
0: Yep. So moving on to European football, interesting story. This one: Paris Saint Germain, Mauricio Pochettino is main contender to replace Thomas Tuchel, former Tottenham manager. Mauricio Pochettino is the main contender to take off, over at Paris Saint Germain after Thomas Tuchel was sacked. It's quite strange, though. The last training session he held this week, um, he actually led PSG to a four 0 win, and then got sacked. Yeah, um, I mean, Mauricio Pochettino being tipped to take over from him.
1: I've got, I've got to be honest. PS, <clears> PSG. <throat> Have been just looking for an excuse to get rid of Thomas Tuchel. Um yep. You know they got they got their first European Cup final or Champions League final if you like last season. Um, they're, they're currently second in the league. Okay, normally they're romping away with the you know, um, but but I haven't said that. I don't think Thomas Tootle's done that bad up a job, I think one of the problems is you know, in terms of the manager the people that PSG bring in are kind of out of the manager's hands it's the yeah. it's the owners and the money men that make the decisions you know, in, in the sense of like PSG's run a bit like Real Madrid back in the day where they have their Galacticus players or Galactical players, you know and um you know, and the managers more or less made it to sort of fit these top names like you know, the likes of Mbappé and people like that there and obviously you got Neymar there. You know, and, and the thing is is like I, I don't think Thomas Tootle was doing that bad a job. I mean, okay oh, the 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 one the domestic title, the win it every season, they were probably gonna win it this season you know, could he have gone one step further and won the Champions League? You know, because obviously for the owners, that's sort of like what the Holy Grail is. But I think the thing is, is not long after Thomas Toodle took the job, Mark, right, a few months even into the job, you know, it it did seem like it was a case of he doesn't fit the profile that we want. Whereas obviously... And, and, and I don't necessarily you know agree with that because we were looking at Thomas Toodle at one point in about or and I, and I thought well there's no way he's ever going to come to Saints like he's a bit you know he's a bit, bit bigger than that, but um, mind you I, I I was surprised that has Needle came to Saints, but there you, but um, I haven't said that, haven't said that. I uh, you know I think it's it's a qu it's a question of Obviously, Pochettino coming in, it raises the profile. It's a, I, t- I tell you, that the analogy that I would use would be, right, in the late 70s, right, Manchester United, after they the got rid of Tommy Docherty, right, brought yep. in Dave Sexton. Now, Dave, yep. Dave Sexton was a decent manager in his own right, and he finished in his second season when United went up Right. In his in his second season, you did it finished second, right? And they decided not to renew his everybody thought they were gonna renew his contract and they didn't, right? And one of the reasons why they didn't was he was a brilliant coach, but you stick a microphone in his face, right? And he said very little, right? Whereas Tommy he was always flamboyant. And, of course, what happens? They get rid of Dave Saxton and they brought in Ron Atkinson. And Ron Atkinson was like, I mean, his nickname was Goldfinger. Well, in fairness,
0: Mauricio Pochettino said very little at Saints, Mark. And he was quite <laughs> fluent after
1: that. <laughs> no, no, but but so, that, that was for completely <laughs> different reasons. But I just, I just think to <laughs> myself, yeah. they want someone, you know. Oh, it was obvious to me that they were looking for someone who was slightly more high profile, you know, could handle the media well and stuff like that. There, and and it is my belief that even after a couple of months, the hierarchy of PSG had came to the conclusion that he wasn't. The manage because it's not just even about managing the team now. If you're at a big club where they want us, you know the brand, the brand, all about the brand and all that. Oh yeah, the manager has to be, you know, great at press conferences, have a personality, and I th- and I think Thomas, you know, they 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 took the decision based on that. I- I'm not saying it's right because I'd have Thomas people really? any day of the other week. <laughs> Absolutely right.
0: Absolutely right. Yeah, don't go anywhere, Ralph. That doesn't mean we want you to leave now. We don't. Anyway, we move on to another story now. Spain striker Diego Costa, Chelsea fans are obviously well aware of who he is, as well as Premier League fans, is a free agent after Athletico Madrid agreed to end his contract early, paving the way for a possible Premier League return. It's a little bit misleading the article actually, because what actually happened is the striker asked to leave the club for personal reasons a few days ago and on Tuesday signed the termination of his contract at Athletico. The club thanks him for his dedication during his years and wish him well in the next stage of his professional career. And no, sayings fans don't get carried
1: away, he won't be coming to us free or not. He's going to cost an absolute bomb wages. Oh, no egg. There, there is this. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is Mark, and, and this wouldn't necessarily surprise me, but where they're getting the wages from, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that Jordi Mendez will probably work as magic on this one. But obviously, Ralph Jimenez is injured and they're desperate for an eight-night striker. Yep. Um, much as it's it... Don't, I've, in I've, I've got to be honest, much as I don't want to see him back in the Premier League because I think he's a dirty so-and-so. But, but um, you know, I think probably Wolves will try to see if they can tap them back into the Premier League. I would not rule that out at all. No. Anyway, moving on Dynamo
0: Dresden fans have brought 72,000 tickets for the match In an empty stadium How about that then Mark? Yeah, I mean I, I I, 72,000 fans have brought tickets
1: for a match In an empty stadium You you were looking for a positive Right? So I thought it this section On a positive news story So that, this is the news That Dynamo Dresden Has been struggling to pay yep. Their players wages yep. And yep. The, the fans, I mean, I'd, I'd love us to do something like this because I'd, I'd be willing to do it. I know by a lot of Saints fans probably wouldn't. But, you know, the thing is, is like, I, I just love the idea of actually coming to, coming together, being supportive of the players and everything else. You know, if, if Saints were ever struggling, I mean, I, I dare say they're never going to be because, you know, it's... It's the German third tier. It's not the English Premier League, but I, I just thought it was a fantastic gesture. You know, it's probably what twenty, thirty quid a head for for a game in Germany. Yeah, this is and, and five pound each. These tickets were five pound. Uh, it's fantastic. You can't and uh, 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 the gesture. You know, even if maybe the money doesn't go to you know, the players, I mean, some of the players obviously will get money from the gate, but, you know, I'm sure the rest of the money will go to other things in the Dresden area where people are struggling and stuff like that. You know, I just think it's fantastic, and I I wish, as a collective, we, you know, we as a support base did things like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely right. I agree with that. And that is good news to end the section
0: which is fantastic so well well done to them i'd love to see that happen at saints but can't see it but anyway we live in hope don't we (laughs) yeah
1: you never know you never know somebody some bright spark might take up the idea and run with it absolutely right so um we're gonna
0: take last break of today's show and when we come back we'll do the two saints preview of the upcoming match saints versus liverpool where we're absolutely going to smash them
1: <laughs> we'll
0: be back shortly it's the two marks
1: cnh on, on the two
0: Saints, saints, saints show fiesta, fiesta 95, 95 fm welcome back everybody so the two saints preview of southampton versus liverpool saturday the 17th of august 2019 at st mary's stadium andre Marino, the referee southampton went down 2-1 to liverpool Daneen scored in the 83rd minute after Sadio Mane giving Liverpool the lead in the 47th minute and Roberto Firmino rounded things off for them in the 71st minute via an assist by James James Milner, the great footballer. <clears throat> in the return fixture, it was Liverpool 4 Southampton 0. That was obviously at Anfield that was Saturday the 1st of February. Kevin Friend was a referee. We went down 4-0. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, 47 minutes. Jordan Henderson, the 60th minute. Uh, Salah in the 70th minute And then Roberto Firmino um, And Jordan Henson with his sister We actually went down 4-0 um, It actually only lists three goal scorers there Mark Not four sadly But anyway it doesn't make a lot of difference to the result um, We still lost 4-0 all,
1: all so, Reflection just, just very quickly The reflections on those games <clears> I, I actually thought The previous season Which we played Liverpool on the Friday night would actually give them more of a game than what we did at St Murray's uh start of last season. Um but but having said that, in the in the away fixture from last season, that was an unjust yep. scoreline. I mean we gave as good as we got. Yep, unfortunately, we unfortunately it was the old average of once we conceded one, the floodgates kind of opened and everything went out the window then. But up until oh, that true. point would have, would you know we'd had quite a few good opportunities of our own making and yep. you know we probably could have been 2-0 up if memory serves me yeah. back from the on field game. But you know, yep. there therein lies a tail. But having said yep. all of that, I mean I think l- looking at the fixture, Mark, I the heart wants to turn around and say that it's gonna be a and when but, and and they do have one or two key individuals missing. Yep. I mean, you know, you you've got to be honest and say if, if Virgil was was playing, he would have been up for this game. You know, except player, yep. you know, all the rest of it. But I don't know I think I'm hoping that Danny Ings might come back and haunt Liverpool, a bit, you know a lot, a lot of what the answer about you know. <laughs> and I, I keep, we keep saying it. I keep saying it anyway because I, I, I only believe that we probably have about three quality players. We got, we got very workmanlike players, and they all do their job very well. But, but you know, in terms of the quality, you know. Theo Walcott can, you know, he's a little bit like a top, he can turn it on and off whenever he wants. And, um, I, I, you know, he, I think in terms of his football, you know, he's a little bit on the way. And so, you know, yeah. I think I said the off, off sort of off piste here that, you know, for me, we have, we have JWP and we have Danny Ings. And if they're, if they're on their A games, like I'm always talking to you about this show, you know, if they're on their A games, um, you know, Saints, Saints have maybe the possibility of causing an upset, but obviously, realistically, you would think, you know, if we can come away with something from the game, yep. um, it, it, it's a bonus, you know, and, and and if it's three points, it's a double bonus. Um, Absolutely. You know, um, but... Let let's let's see what happens, but it'll take it'll take a team collective for everybody to be, as we all say, with this virus, be aware. Yeah, yeah I think
0: always... in fairness, it will take it will take Saints being at their best they can be at the moment to get anything yeah. from
1: that. Yeah, 100%. I actually think it can be too Liverpool. And, I hate to say it. And I include the things that we were doing much yep. more in the early season. Yeah, you yeah. Know, in yeah. the early season were you know, moving the ball around quickly, you know, people being energetic, I understand that, you know, the amount of games does take its toll and everything else, but, you know, they'll they'll need to be up for it, you know, psychologically, and if they are up for it, then who, who knows, mate? You know, who knows? Yeah, and
0: I think the last couple of seasons, if you look back with Ralph as well, At certain points in the season, we've had that little low in form. We've had a little dip. But then we kind of got to a point where we've come up against one team. And that one team has then kick-started another run. And we had it with Arsenal a couple of seasons ago, wasn't it? We went to Arsenal, got a result there, kind of kick-started everything. Went to City last season. That kind of kick-started a run then. So this might be one of those games where we go to Liverpool and it kick-starts a run again. Because they've got that in them. But my head's telling me it's going to be 2-0 Liverpool. My heart says Saints win. My heart says Saints get the points. But my head's saying Liverpool
1: 2 0 I, I just, want to say it is an our place. <laughs> it is an our place. So, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, sort of, Mark. I'm gonna say that we're gonna beat them 2-0. I'll take that. <laughs> i, I, I I'll, I'll Honestly, that. honestly, it's, it's like you said. You know, the thing is, is. Performance-wise, we've been a bit indifferent over the last few games, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, you know, all it would take is for Liverpool for for Liverpool to have a little bit of an off day. You know, they didn't they, they weren't that convincing against West Brom recently. Yep. You know, and that this is where I'm t- trying to take a little bit of heart out. All I will say team, this, for us to be playing and for Liverpool to have a bit of an off day, and, yeah, I'm going to go 2-0. I will see say it. this, much: I
0: actually think it would be the two Ws if we do win 2-0, given that Liverpool's defence are a little bit creaky at the moment. If we do win 2-0, I think the goal scorer is actually going to be War and Walcott. I can see Prowse getting a free kick and sticking it in, because he seems to get them against the better teams and score against them. He gave yeah. Man United yeah. no chance recently of a stonking free kick. Kicked David a Gea didn't get anywhere near. So I can see him sticking one of them away against Liverpool, and I think Theo might just pop up with an unlucky goal against Liverpool because he seems to score against the big teams. And so if we what, do
1: win two 0 we can score. Uh, just so as you, so as you know, you know when, when you hit the rewind button on this record, right? Just remember that you went for two 0 Liverpool. It's me that went for two 0 Saints Yeah, I'm just saying if Saints win two 0 that'll be the goal scorer. <laughs> Cheers, man. Thanks. You know. Any more tips for me? Any fantasy league tips you want to give me? Yeah, don't to a word on the because <laughs> I've got a clue. <laughs> anyway, look, all I want to say is, is like, obviously, that that's, you know, us wrapping it up for it uh, the record, but I just want to say to people, you know, I hope that we've brought a bit of light relief and you've enjoyed Listening to us, uh, and uh, basically, you know, look after each other, and also happy New Year to all the listeners. Thanks for sticking with that's us, great. and yeah, um, massive happy New Year. And we'll we'll see you, we'll see you for the next record next week.
0: Absolutely right. So just remind everybody, the podcast will be coming out this week as well. So that's probably going to be available, um, probably tomorrow, or f- I would say tomorrow, because obviously ahead of all the for festivities etc so keep an eye out for the podcast that'll be going up on youtube and obviously on facebook and via our normal channels um, and obviously don't forget you can contact us via our email address the two saints podcast show at outlook.com and you can obviously catch us on fiesta 95 fm every thursday 1 till 3 p.m thanks for tuning in today it's goodbye from myself mark c and goodbye for my co-host mark h and yeah, please join us again next stream. week bye please join us again next week when the two saints go marching in again